Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, hey, Matthew, it's been a little while since we've been on the show together. Yeah, it has been a couple couple weeks now. Yeah, man, it? how you been doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting into the, the fall weather. Not quite cool, but, you know, it's uh, the forecast is looking pretty promising. Just the lows are getting lower and the highs are getting lower. So it yeah. is fun you, time of the year. Yeah, you know, actually, we walked out this morning coming into work. It, it just had a little bit more crisp in the air, and I was really excited about that. It just starting to feel like fall. You know, kids are back in school. Uh, college football started. Uh, you know, people are kind of done with the vacations for the summer. So it's kind of moving into that fall season, that that last leg of the year. Yeah, and I've actually started seeing uh, Halloween already. I mean, oh my it's gosh. it's not even you know mid September, and we've already seen you know seen Halloween costumes and just decorations up. It's like goodness gracious. I feel like Halloween's blown up more over the last I don't know ten years, five years. It just seems more popular, more prevalent. I, I mean, I remember as a kid, but golly, some people are really into it, which is fun. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah, get some get some free treats. Uh, I'm sure your wife sees more people after the holidays being a dental hygienist. She yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, I guess we'll just hand out you know toothbrushes or something, right. but then we'll get our house egged. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a tough one for us. So so what do you what do you and Sarah like to do, or what are some things in the fall that you you really enjoy doing that may you may not be able to do in other seasons? Yeah, I mean we always like to cycle, um, which we do in the summer as well, but it is a little more pleasant. Um, in the fall, just because it's not super, super hot. Um, so we enjoy that. Uh, that's something we like to do a lot. Going on walks, um, something we enjoy to do. We play we play a lot of golf together. So we try to have hobbies that we do together and stuff that makes us active. So we try to be healthy is kind of one of our big, big goals. We enjoy health, uh, you know, working out, yeah. stuff like that. So we just, we do a lot of stuff like that outside. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's a beautiful, I mean, again, just a beautiful time of the year. Leaves will start changing in the next month. Um, so yeah, we're just excited, excited for that that time of the year. Yeah, what do you, what do you like to do? Yeah, man. Um, you know, honestly, I enjoy a lot of yard work. Uh, that's something that, uh, yeah, it just brings me pleasure. So doing that and not having to go through two or three t-shirts in a day is, is nice. Um, but you know, doing yard work, uh, being on the river, kayaking. Yeah, um, that's nice. Different, different stuff outdoors, like you, like you said. College football. I mean, uh, we we just went to a game this past weekend. Go Gamecocks! Uh, that was <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. So you know, just outdoor things in general uh, this time of the year is is enjoyable. Yeah, just make put you in a good mood. It's fun even to like eat outside at restaurants that have outdoor seating, things like that. You know, Augusta, Aiken have a lot of nice restaurants that you can sit outside. Um, even have some coffee outside on the porch. Things like that are just those minor joys in life that bring a lot of joy, but are so simple, you know? There's also some cool volunteering things you can do outdoors, yeah. um, you know, with, with Augusta and Aiken and, um, you know, with, with homeless ministries and food banks and even cleaning up, you know, if you see trash on the side of the road, it can be a unique time just to serve the city well and, and Absolutely. To, to care for the city that, that you're involved in. That, that can be another opportunity. You know, that's something you and I have kind of looked into this year, just more volunteering. And there really is a lot of opportunities out there. There's food banks, there's there's homeless groups um, that help homeless people. Um, really, you don't have to look too hard to find something. So if you're looking for an opportunity, feel free to reach out to us. We can mm-hmm. kind of point you into some directions, send you to some websites. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of need out there um, and just so... 
Yeah. And that and that's something we'll be talking about in the article in the first article is thinking through even retirement. I mean, Absolutely. right? I mean, like we have full-time jobs, so we're limited in a sense from what we can do. But if you're in retirement or, you know, thinking about retirement, thinking about volunteering can be a wonderful way to spend your retirement years. We we don't really want to get to the end of our life and um, have just thought about what is good for our family, but we want to um, really be thinking about, man, what is good for other people? What is good oh, for yeah. our city? What is good for our nation? How can we how can we love people well? How can we serve people well um, through volunteering? So retirement is a wonderful gift that can allow you more time to do that very thing. Yeah, we like to encourage people to rethink just the standard retirement here. And so one thing we're going to talk about today in the first article is, you know, here's what a $2 million retirement looks like in America. So just kind of helping people understand, hey, what do I do once I have this nest egg, pension, social security? You know, what does that actually look like, you know, from an annual spending standpoint? Um so we're going to break that down, take some, have some different takes on that, and kind of talk through that. Yeah, and then also, just one side note on that, we're not saying you have to have $2 million to Absolutely. be yeah. you know, happy or anything. This is just purely anecdotal and saying, hey, if you were to have an asset like this, how would, how would you spend it? And this is something we don't really talk about a lot is practically what does spending look like in retirement? So we have clients with a fourth of that uh, or a half of that, and it is, you know, you can be very content. Uh, with that amount as well. So absolutely. Um, then the second article is going to be um, just a very short article on on stock picking versus indexing versus how we invest um, through yeah. dimensional fund advisors. So be a short article, but um, very good nonetheless. Well, that'd be good to break down. Sometimes I don't think we communicate well. Just you know the 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 investments we actually use, the company we've been working with, golly, since the '90s, and just saying, hey, this is why we're different. Um, you know, obviously get the planning with us, but we also have just a different approach to investing than a lot of other groups, and right. so we can kind of break that down. Um, but yeah, by the way, my name is Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. And my name is Matthew Travis. I'm also a financial planner here and a certified financial planner uh, with Richard Young Associates. Yeah, and we're excited to have you all listening to us today on our weekly show. Um, we are exclusively every week up on Friday afternoons is when we post these shows. So you can find our show up on our website through moneyand.net. You can also look at like iTunes, Spotify, you know, we're up there as well. Make sure you follow us so you get a notification every week, uh, every Friday, and, you know, listen to us anywhere. Golly, I mean, what are we on? We're like at episode 451 or something like that, so we're... Yeah, yeah, and that's just for the podcast. I mean, I know this is before our time, but there's a radio show before that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of different information out there that if you're curious or you maybe even know someone younger who uh, just needs to help starting out or just listening to a good podcast, this would be a good resource for them. Yeah, and you know, also just check out our website, moneymd.net, where you can like link you know, link to us, ask our, like ask questions. One thing you can do is actually ask a question for the podcast and we'll listen, we'll actually answer it on the podcast yep. for you. Um, but of that, now let's start off with the financial fact of the week. So, um, humans are predisposed to straight line their future expectations. So here's an example. When the stock market is on a bull run, many investors and even advisors see their good fortune continuing, continuing unabated. Conversely, when the stock market is in a bear market fall, many investors and also advisors can't see the route ever ending. Both assumptions are wrong. And golly, that ain't that the truth, Matthew. Yeah, it really is. I mean, really thinking through, you know, this bear market that we're in now and, and possibly recession, you know, with 
with that language thrown in there, a lot of people are like, you know, how long is this going to last? This is never going to end. Should we go to cash? With the same answer, we you know, we really give in every bear market of, you know, no, we you, we shouldn't go to cash just because we don't know when it's going to end. But, you know, the markets have always recovered if you're in a diversified portfolio. So really, it's the same, you know, mantra of, hey, stay invested, rebalance, buy low, sell high. Yeah. And, and, and don't freak out when the markets go down. And it's just amazing how much we just our memories fade i mean the things we've been through think of 08 think of covid it just once those are gone it's like i don't know it just even in my own life i'm just thinking about you know how i just forget about things like covid even though it's still going on it's still a thing but yeah and and just that market drop it's funny how we just kind of think every situation's different um can fall into those biases so yeah you just got to be careful with that yeah, I mean, we, we've had three bear markets in four years, right? Since 2018, <laughs> 2018, 2020, yeah. 2022, uh, three bear markets in, in four years. And so, you know, it is it is the same. Hey, you know, we need to look back at history and, and see that it's always recovered and absolutely uh, just stay invested, like you said. Absolutely. Well, that leads us to our first article. And so, you know, Matthew, what we're going to talk about today is here's what a $2 million retirement looks like in America. So we're going to look at about three different people, just the lives they're living, not the retired. So for many Americans, Matthew, retirement advice is limited to encouragement is to encouragement to save more or warnings that they haven't saved enough. So we hear that a lot. Um, now this article comes from Wall Street Journal uh, a couple weeks back, um, but but most people, Matthew, get a little guidance get little guidance or give little thought to what to do with all those savings once they actually reach that next chapter. Whether they are decades, years, or months from retirement, it can be hard to imagine the life that a 401k ultimately buys. And it's incredibly difficult uh, to erase the anxiety about whether you are spending too much per year. So we've talked about this before on the show, just real quick, you know, just savings is not a plan. And so that's one of the reasons we're going to talk about why planning is important, because, you know, you can just save a bunch, but not really have direction on, Mm. hey, am I saving enough? Yeah. Comfort anxiety, we're testing the past year, even for those with significant savings, you know, think of just with COVID and you just talked about the bear markets, rising inflation has dented nest eggs more than many, than many had budgeted or expected. You know, inflation has definitely been something we weren't, you know, thinking would be as high as it was. Um, And meanwhile, a declining stock market has cut into many retirement savings recently. Yeah. And so this article um, speaks with a couple of retirees who have saved um, some nest eggs um, from a couple million to, um, yeah, just a couple million. And, and it's thinking through, okay, so, you know, inflation is increasing. How do we spend that? Uh, how do we not have anxiety? How do we have joy in retirement? Uh, these these couple retirees, they do live in different parts of the country in different phases of life, ranging from age 61, I think, to age 83 is the oldest. Among other things, they offer insights into some of the challenges that retirees, um, even those with substantial savings can face. Uh, They also share advice on the importance of having a sense of purpose uh, in your post-career years, which is something, again, that we're very passionate about. It's not retiring from something only, but also retiring to something and and knowing what that that why is, why you're retiring. It's not just to sit on the couch or just to play golf. It has to be something more than that. Absolutely. So the first person we're going to look at is John Fitzgerald. So his savings and investment is at $2 million. And his annual spending is $144,000, which I'd say is kind of high for for retirement from what we've seen. So when John Fitzgerald retired as a police lieutenant about three years ago, after 33 years on the force, his deferred compensation plan was worth about $1.7 million. 
These days, due to the stock market pullback, it was worth about $1.3 million. The 61-year-old uh, Brookville, Maryland husband and father of three is concerned as he's counting on the money to help fund his lifestyle. So he says, I see my hard-earned money slipping away every day, he said. Mr. Fitzgerald considers himself fortunate as he also has roughly about $6,900 in monthly pension after taxes and insurance. He has about another $350,000 saved in other accounts, including bank accounts and college savings funds. So far, he and his wife, Jill, she's 58, haven't made any changes to their portfolios. Mrs. Fitzgerald works as a writer and editor and has about $400,000 saved for retirement. So they have a good bit. Mm. Yeah, the couple is, <clears throat> the article is saying that they are feeling the effects of inflation. Um, they're, they're paying college tuition for their youngest son. Um, and, you know, college tuition's rising about 5% per year. And so, you know, that is something that they're having to pay um, in retirement for their youngest son. Um, you know, their estimated expenses per month uh, are pretty high, about 12000 per month. Uh, and they do have some debt uh, in, in retirement. Um, they have cuts uh, some of the groceries um, that they've spent and they're, they're shopping at different places, but they're still, their bill jumped from about 300 a month to 600 a month. So, you know, that's where the inflation prices come in and we've seen prices go up. Um, But the higher prices aren't stopping this couple from their volunteer schedule and they aren't worrying about their retirement plan because they do have a plan in place. Uh, Mr. Fitzgerald, he coaches a baseball team for 11 year olds and is a commissioner of a local youth baseball league. Uh, he spends about 30 hours a week on this work, uh, which frequents, you know, it takes up most of his weekends. But really, you know, it, he enjoys doing this time outside of of just sitting down. So, you know, the, the big takeaway from him is, you know, he does have a large nest egg. Um, it is invested in the market, so it has decreased, but he does have that plan in place to say, hey, when the markets decrease, you know, we're going to be okay. Inflation is increasing, but Again, we we have that plan that's going to be taken care of. Yeah, and his his expenses are pretty high for retirement. You'd say, I mean, he's got mortgages. Is it two or just one mortgage? It was one here. Yeah, I think it's just one. Just one, and then also college expenses very expensive. Um, so just kind of that early his retirement just has a very you know initial month to month very expensive. Um, but you know he has a lot saved, and the pension helps a lot as well. Um. But yeah, good, good first one. Uh, the second is James Compton. So he has about one point five million, and his annual spending is a hundred thousand. Uh, James Compton's eighty four and only recently fully retired. So while he left his job as president and chief executive officer of the Chicago Urban League more than fifteen years ago, he has kept himself busy by serving on corporate nonprofit boards. He's still working full time. When he joined the board of Aerial Investments. Commonwealth Edison Co. and Field Museum of Natural History. Thanks to some of those board seats and others, he earned about 150000 a year, which helped replace a large portion of his full-time work salary. Over the roughly the past decade, he said he has aged off all the boards. So, you know, his social pace is slower these days, you know, now he's, that he's 84, but he still keeps pretty active. Um, Mr. Compton used to spend about 125 a week on lunches out with contacts and people who sought uh, career advice these days due in part to you know rising prices because one of his uh, favorite lunch spots closed as well he spends about sixty dollars and goes out about twice a week now instead of five times yeah he still does enjoy giving to several of his favorite charities um, including um, some local colleges he has decreased it though um, pretty substantially 
And he says it's due to inflation. It's due to the, the rising prices. And basically, his budget won't allow him to do that. Um, so that is something to consider is, you know, thinking through, you know, your giving strategies and, and how, to, how to have that consistent but also flexible, you know, given the inflation rates. Um, you know, his uh, portfolio has about 70% in equities. Most of our retirees are 60% in equities, 40% in bonds. We do have clients that are higher percent equities uh, than that, but it, it, you know, it really just depends if you, if you can handle the ups and the downs and know that over time, the more equities you have historically, the more return you've had, then you can be a little more aggressive um, as Mr. Compton is. He says he, you know, he can sleep well at night, so that's a reason he can do that, which is some good, uh, just something to think through um, with, with, with your own portfolio. If you can sleep well at night, then you're probably in a good allocation or maybe a little more aggressive um, you know, he, one piece of advice he gives that we would agree with is to not go into retirement with a mortgage. We see about 50% of retirees going into retirement with a mortgage. If you can reduce, if you can eliminate your mortgage, it can reduce your monthly expenses pretty substantially, uh, and you can live on a lot less. So that's really an encouragement is if we can somehow pay off the mortgage before you go into retirement, uh, it just makes that monthly income from social security, pension, and investments just go that much further. We sometimes even take money out of investments and pay off the mortgage um, just because, again, it's it just takes a lot of weight off that budget. Um, so yeah, that, you know, Mr. Compton gives us some good thoughts on, you know, retirement and, and inflation and giving. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and going back, yeah, just taking, getting rid of the mortgage just relieves a lot of stress, you know, just um, peace of mind going into retirement. We encourage you if you can to do it. Um, it's good to have that plan just throughout while you're saving to kind of schedule out if you can, having a mortgage paid off if possible. But yeah, that's a, another good one. Um, you know, he also talked about here that he devotes more time to physical fitness. Um, now he's not working, you know, so he's actually going to the health club. He's lifting weights, doing cardio. This guy's 84, Matthew. Wow. <laughs> um, Staying in shape. You know, so, and he says that his doctor tells him he's in perfect health. So, you know, sometimes too, we, we talk to people and they think, oh, I'm not going to live to X age. Mm. You just be surprised. Some people, you know, go a lot longer than you think and um, we're not promised tomorrow, but, you know, here's a guy, 84, going to the gym like four days a week, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Right. And the last one is uh, Judy Hall. So she has about $1.8 million, and her annual spending is about 110000 So when Judy retired in 2005, she was 58 years old. She had about $2 million and no clue how she was going to fill her days. Interesting. So to gather ideas, the former, former human resources executive at Berkshire Hathaway uh, took a seven-week road trip to visit retired friends. So she said, I wanted to know what retired people do all day. Which is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she said, you know, she's 75 now. Um, and she describes herself as a former workaholic. So mm. she worked a lot. When she returned to her Manhattan apartment, Mrs. Hall or Miss Hall increased her volunteer work at St. Bartholomew Church. She organized a conference and filled in for an employee on leave, and she also became the church's liaison to a homeless shelter. Mm. Um, she says, they call me the Uber volunteer, and she loves it, um, who discovered a new sense of purpose. She discovered a new sense of purpose in retirement. Uh, she says her mantra is to wake up in the morning and make a difference in someone's life. So at the shelter, uh, Ms. Hall met a family. She remains close with, um, you know, to this day, and it was about five years ago. Um, she sold her one-bedroom apartment and bought a $450,000 condo in Naples, Florida. 
So she says, I need to figure out what my next act is. I'm not a person who can sit around, um, who tutors in a, and she also tutors in an after school program and serves on the board of trustees for her alma mater, alma mater college um, of her school. Uh, for the past 30 years, Miss Hall has owned a beach house she named Camp Cocktail at Ocean City, mm-hmm. New Jersey, and she frequently um, entertains guests, including groups of high school friends who uh, printed Camp Cocktail t-shirts. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, one mainstay in, in her life is her 10-year-old goddaughter, who is a member of the family she befriended at the homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that it was hard to get used to living without a structure of a job and a regular paycheck. Um, you know, throughout her 37 years um, at work, she said she re, she she saved six percent a year in her 401k, where and she received a six percent company match. So that's 12 percent total. Um, she amassed one million by retirement, and then she swapped a lump sum pension for another million. That's where she got to the two million. Although she sh- retired shortly before the 2008 financial crisis, her long-term investment returns have been high enough to replace most of the money that she's withdrawn from her savings, uh, leaving her with 1.8 as of today compared to the 2 million she retired with. So, and, we, and we've seen that with clients, right? We've seen yeah. clients that have started before the bear markets and have been pulling out money for years and are still where they are, um, you know, before the bear market. So, um, you know, the key takeaway that Ms. Hall has is to stay invested um, and is to, you know, really believe that the markets over time do go up more than they go down. Um, you know, she does enjoy traveling, um, but really, you know, she finds joy in the sim- in the simple things of life with, you know, volunteering, with, um, you know, spending time with people. And so I guess the main takeaway from this article, one could be, um, you know, th- there's no, if someone said, how do you retire? You know, there's not one, hey, do this. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting, you know, she went and visited, you know, people who were retired and and probably said, yeah, you know, that looks like something I could do or, ah, you know, I could not do that for my retirement. So I think the main you know thought for us to encourage you is to really think about this and to ask questions and to ask people who are retired and who are well into retirement and who have not yet retired, hey, hey, w- w- what does that look like um, to retire well? Yeah, we've we've talked about on the show too, like, you know, before you do retire, take take a long vacation and, and give it a test run. And, you know, what she did was really wise because I'm sure she, like you said, she saw things she liked and things she didn't like and kind of planned it out. Um, I think making a plan for retirement is a wise thing. The one thing with all these people, Matthew, I've noticed is what kind of, what they've all did was they stayed active. Yep. They were social, you know. They did things uh, outside of themselves, so things like mentoring or volunteering. Um, all of them were doing things that were, you know, for the community, for other people, um, and that's really important. I think it keeps you uh, just sharp and and uh, you know just more fulfilled in life. Yeah, we were created to work, uh, yeah. and work is not bad. Work is it can be toilsome, but work in and of itself can be very good. It can serve people well. And so even if you aren't getting paid for work in a, you know, a formal paycheck job, you know, we're still called to be productive and we're still called to work, whatever that looks like. So in retirement, again, we we don't just retire from work. Um, We retire from work and we retire to another activity. We retire to something else. So um, you know, you're talking, you're listening to two guys, our combined age is 55. Um, so we are not retired, but 
we do see clients who struggle with thinking through retirement. So this is something to give thought, um, even if you are 10 years away from retirement, is to think through what, what does that look like for me, for my family to thrive in retirement? Absolutely. I think that was just, just a good article just yeah. to kind of see what, what retirement can look like for others. Um, and so the next topic is our question of the week. So Matthew, this is a, an interesting one. How do I estimate my rate of return? So the rule of 72 is the question here. Yeah. So, so if you, if you have been around investments or you, you know, <clears throat> know how that works, you, you know that there is a rate of return on investment. So cash has a rate of return uh, Tesla has a rate of return. So these are returns that these products offer if you buy them. So cash rate of return is essentially zero. You know, at this time, it's very low. Um, and equities rate of return can be higher. But to figure out, um, you know, a quick rate of return or to, to know how much um, your, how quickly your money can double um, is to take the rate of return divided 72 divided by the rate of return and that's the number of years it takes for your money to double so to give you an example if let's say you have an investment and it's a rate of return of eight percent then you can say okay generally every nine years this money is going to double because you know 72 divided by eight percent is about nine years and you can do that with anything if it's a 10 percent rate of return about every seven years or so your money is going to double so just a very offhand way that you know, if you're sitting in front of us and we're like, yeah, it's going to be roughly this. And they're like, how'd they do that? That's just a general rough way to estimate the rate of return um, for the money to double in, in that amount of years. Yeah, it's a great, great question. Uh, whoever submitted that, good question. Yep. That leads us to our next um, very kind of short article, a little different, um, but there's stock picking, there's indexing, and then there's dimensional investing. Yeah, so Ryan, can you can you tell me the the next stock, the hot hot stock tip for, yeah, that, for this week? I was just about to say, here we go. <laughs> Drum roll please. Uh, no, and I don't. The data shows that we can't, right? So stock pickers and market timers try to outguess the market and look for what they believe are pricing mistakes. In other words, they're making bets on what active managers think the stock market has missed. Uh, but research does show little evidence of any consistent success with these approaches. Yeah, so we that would kind of talking through that a little bit. That's like picking individual stocks. You could also talk about, you know, following momentum trading, trying to time when to get in and out. Technical analysis. Technical analysis yep. is a term you might hear. Really trying to outguess the trends of the market. Um, and time and time again, history has showed that, man, people don't do that well, even honestly, professionals, people yeah. that are, you know, all the qualifications. The next is then you have traditional indexers. So we hear a lot about that, especially over the last 10 years. Traditional indexers offer investors the ability to track the market or a subset of the market. So it's like a S&P 500 right. ETF, right? right? But tracking an index leaves you with limited flexibility since index uh, providers tell you what to hold and when to buy and to sell which can result in lower returns and higher trading costs for investors. Long periods between index reconstitutions reconstitutions. why did I mix that up, uh, <laughs> can also lead to a style drift. Mm -hmm. Investors may end up holding assets and don't align with the index's stated purpose. So that's really interesting. Yeah, and so it's basically saying like, hey, if you invest in the largest 500 companies, then you know if something happens dramatically and you know 20 or 30 of those companies are no longer there and you want to invest in the highest 500 and they only 
you know, relook the funds six, every six months or every year, you know, there's a period of time where you're not invested as you think you are just because there is that rigidity to say, hey, we're just going to track this index versus actually being true to the um, to the proportions we want to be in each index. So, and a lot of times too, you just see people go to just like one index. Right, You'll like see large US. Large US, S&P 500, and we would argue that's that's not diversified enough. And right. just because you had a, a good short period, you know, there's been times where certain sections of the market have just had bad decades. And then you ask the question, well, do you stay in? Do you panic when it is bad? Like it was, you know, even early 2000s, you know, large growth stocks struggled a lot. Um, it gets really dangerous and you can make a lot of bad decisions. So that's why we speak, we talk about broad diversification here. And then finally, let's talk about Dimensional. So just kind of quick overview. Dimensional is the mutual fund ETF company that we work with mm-hmm. since the 90s. And so they're a little different. Yeah, they are. So, um, you know, we don't, Dimensional, we don't try to time the markets. And we also believe that there are um, segments of the markets that produce higher returns over time than other segments. Um, so we want to tilt our portfolios towards these dimensions of higher return. And the dimensions are uh, small companies, value companies, and highly profitable companies. So we don't try to time in and out, but we believe that the markets have rewarded investors when they stay invested um, and they tilt towards these segments. So we have both the passive strategy of saying, hey, the markets do what they're going to do, but also leaning more than indexing to say, hey, you know, if we're able to be in these different, like you said, asset classes that are diversified, over time, we can make a higher return than the indexes historically. Yeah, and the term you hear with this is what can be called systematic. So it's based off data. So like other funds can have a manager who ultimately decides what to do where systematic investing is more. They're looking at all this data and that's how things are triggered, how it's managed. It's very it's, academic. It's, yeah, it's very academic. Yep. Um, it's not a person you know, making that ultimate decision. Um, that's right. So good, good topic. Um, feel free to reach out to us if, if you have questions about that or would like to learn more. We'd love to help. Uh, and finally, we're going to move to the RX of the week. Yep. So the RX of the week is um, mile-wise. It's um, consider if you have Allstate is a program that allows you to pay for the car insurance that you need based on the number of miles you drive throughout the year. Um, so actually, shout out to my grandfather. On this, he is the one who um, gave us this uh, prescription of the week. So if you have a prescription that would be helpful, please reach out to us. But they're able to save a couple hundred per year just because simply they don't drive a lot. So, you know, if you are someone who doesn't drive, um, you know, a lot, then this can be a great uh, program for you and your family. If you do drive a lot, probably not. But again, if you're in retirement mile-wise through Allstate or just look through your insurance company and see if they offer a similar program for that. So that is your prescription of the week. That's a great, great, great thing to know. Yeah. Always good to try to save, save some money on insurance. So, you know, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. You know, tune in next week uh, on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net and send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Uh, Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. We hope you have just a, a great fall. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.